Baines Plus One. You're listening to Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines, the show where each week I have one notable guest and delve into their lives like someone from Manchester delving into the London transport system. This week I had brilliant comedian Sophie Willen. We talk about her Soho theatre run, her love of twerking and her grandma in a series of cat suits. Enjoy. Don't forget, you can share the show via social media if you enjoy it. Uh, We'd love some other people to enjoy it too. Encourage your friends to hit subscribe via the iTunes app. And you can also get us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Samantha Baines and at Samantha Baines on Twitter and Instagram. It's time for Baines Plus One with Samantha Baines on Hoxton Radio. It is Baines Plus One on Hoxton Radio. Oh, what have you been up to this week? I've had quite a nice week. I'm slightly obsessed at the moment with a dress. Do you ever get this? Do you obsess over things? I get really obsessed with things. I saw a dress on the internet and it's too expensive for me to buy. But now I'm trying to create an event (laughs) or get myself invited to an event and then I'll have to buy a dress for the event. Um, And then it gives me an excuse to get this. Do you ever do this? I'm, I get really, like, I think about it all the time. Everyone I see, I'm like, have you got anything coming up recently? Going to a wedding? Do you need a plus one? I've just seen a picture of it on the internet. But I'm really, really into it. Uh, we'll see what my special guest, Sophie Willen, has to say about that. She's coming up very shortly in the Hoxton Radio studio. We are doing the name question again this week. Who's your favourite Sophie in honour of our guest, Sophie Willen? Obviously, second favourite, because Sophie... My guest is your favourite. Who's your favourite? Is it Sophie Dahl, model, chef and granddaughter of famous children's author? Is it Sophie the Giraffe? It's a popular children's toy for babies. Or is it Sophie Ellis Bexter, former pop star and she was on Strictly Come Dancing? Who is your favourite Sophie? I don't know who I'd pick. I am a big fan of Sophie Ellis Bexter. I think she's got some cool tattoos. And... um, she was and she was quite nice on uh, on Strictly Come Dancing, wasn't she? I love her skin. Is that a weird thing to say? She's got beautiful skin and she's so pale. It's very like English rose, isn't it? Um, I I I am quite pale, but I think I look better with the tan. Sophie Dahl's pretty cool. She's a um, an amazing model. She's also a chef now. She's released children's books. Sophie the giraffe is not necessarily something I've come in contact with the children's toy, but I hear. Big fan, babies are big fans of it. <laughs> it's got a big baby fan base. So that question is going to be over on Twitter if you want to vote for your favourite Sophie. Sophie Dahl, Sophie the Giraffe, or Sophie Ellis Baxter. And we'll hear from my guest Sophie Willen very soon. Baines Plus One. It is Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines. I hope you're having a lovely afternoon. Uh, My special guest, Sophie Willen, should be here shortly. Uh, We're going to be chatting to her all about her new show going on at the Soho Theatre and uh, the Edinburgh show she did this year, which got a lot of buzz around it. It's very exciting. It's called On Record, so we definitely want to hear all of it. I've been doing a bit of filming this week. Yeah. I can't tell you exactly what it is. It's a police drama, um, but I can't tell you which one. But uh, on set, basically, they put me in a white top. And I'm not very good in white items of clothing. 
I don't know if anyone else has this. Like, I feel I can't wear white things because I spill stuff on it. So the first time we did this filming and I had to wear this top, I uh, right at the end of the day, I was drinking some tea and I spilled a little bit of tea on the bottom and I felt so awful because we were filming. And obviously, if I had tea on my top at the end of the scene and I didn't have tea on my top at the beginning of the scene... People on the internet will notice that. So basically, I was getting out of this car and every time I got out of the car, I had to pull my coat strategically to cover the bit of tea so they wouldn't see it on camera. So uh, when I was in for filming this week in this white top again, the costume department made me a bib. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what they resorted to. They created me a bib out of bits of um, serviette, which they taped together and um, covered me in. So I was in this weird sort of bib-like contraption and all the other actors were like, what are you, what are you wearing, Sam? And I was like, I've been given a bib because they don't trust me <laughs> around fluids or food. But there we go. So that's my fun sort of behind-the-scenes on-set story that happened this week. Uh, I quite like the bib in the end because there were little bits of tape on it. It almost looked like they'd been the serviettes had been stitched together. It was quite Tim Burton. I enjoyed it. Love a bit of Tim Burton. I'd like to be in one of his films. Anyway, that one next. I'll, I'll try for that next, shall I, Tim Burton film? Anyway, that's my behind-the-scenes story. I, I will be able to tell you hopefully soon what that is and when you can see it on the television. Um, but for now, I'm going to leave the mystery because it's very exciting, isn't it? Uh, don't forget, you can tweet me throughout the show at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. If you have any questions for Sophie Willen, let me know via the Twitter and I shall ask her them. The Global News on Baines Plus One with Samantha Baines. It is time for the Global News. I love that. It makes it sound really important. It's the alternative funny news that we've seen during the week. Here are the headlines. A pick a day keeps stomach ulcers at bay. This is no coke. Hopping mad after death of huge bunny. No time to monkey around. That's the news. That's the global news on Baines Plus One. Uh, let's see what we've got going on here. A pick a day keeps stomach ulcers at bay. Try not to be sick. But apparently it's OK for people to pick their noses and eat it. It's too much. According to one study, snot while gross, is actually full of healthy bacteria that helps protect your teeth. What? How did they work this out? Also, who is funding this study into snot? Like, seriously? There are still risks associated with snot. Sin sinusitis, for example. <laughs> I've not said that right. Sinusitis and nosebleeds. But Katerina Ribic, an assistant professor at the Department of Biological Engineering at MIT, told Aussie.com that snot can also prevent infection. Indeed, there's some evidence that mucus in snot could fight off respiratory infections and stomach ulcers. And an Austrian respiratory specialist, Professor Friedrich Bischinger, added that people who pick their noses are healthier, happier... <laughs> and likely in better tune with their bodies. Why would picking your nose make you happier? 
question. Because you don't spend money on tissues. Would that make you happier in life? Eating, this is, I mean, I'm sorry. If you're eating, just put it down for a second. Eating the dry remnants of what you pull out of your nose is a great way of strengthening the body's immune system. This is what Professor Bistringer said. Medically, it makes great sense. And it's a perfectly natural thing to do. Mm, is it? In terms of the immune system, the nose is a filter which a great deal of bacteria are collected. So when this mixture arrives in the intestines, it works just like medicine. <laughs> oh my God. So next time your kids start veering towards their face to have a little dig around in their nostrils, maybe just let them get on with it because it's good for them, apparently. Although if your Tinder date does it, maybe quietly make an escape. <laughs> Picking your nose, how do you feel about it? That is, I think picking it is one thing. You know, sometimes you have a little, a little crusty bit and you just, you sort of bat it away, don't you? Like just, just in on the ridge. Um, but sort of having a rummage around in there is a different thing. And then putting that in your mouth. I can't even talk about it. I don't. I don't think we should listen to professors about everything. Yes, they call themselves experts. Yes, they might have tested it, but I don't think that's ever going to be... I don't think in years to come, when we're running out of food on the planet because of global warming, we can't grow crops, I don't think the answer is going to be picking your nose and eating it. Like, I just don't think that's an option. Next up, this is no Coke. It's not quite Willy Wonka's chocolate river, but a Pepsi factory river really does exist, yeah? But you probably won't want to drink from it. The stream of liquid appeared in Russia after a storage facility collapsed and it allegedly stranded two workers in a lift 38 metres up in the air. Gallons of liquid, believed to be juice, flowed into the streets, eventually reaching the Don River, which has now turned a shade of reddish brown, like Willy Wonka. The two stranded workers are now being rescued. Everyone else has been evacuated, but no one was hurt, a Pepsi representative told local media. Instagram user Juliana Live posted footage saying, such a huge amount of juice. How will this sweet river be cleaned up? One user responded, I hope bees do not fly yet. A Russia broadcaster RT said it happened in the southern western town of Lebedayan. That's what I'm going to call it. The juice is not harmful to people. No, it's Pepsi. Is it just Pepsi? It's a Pepsi river. Do you think it was a PR stunt? What's going to happen to that as well? Because everywhere, because the amount of sugar in those soft drinks, everywhere it's flowed, it's going to sort of leave a little sh sugar crystals when it evaporates. It might actually look quite pretty, <laughs> like snow. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so picking your nose and Pepsi rivers, if they weren't enough, hopping mad after death of a huge bunny. United Airlines is investigating after reports of a giant bunny rabbit dying on one of its transatlantic flights. Three-foot Simon... <laughs> 
Is that his name? Three Foot Simon. Three Foot Simon, a continental giant rabbit aged 10 months, was said to have been travelling from Heathrow to O'Hare in Chicago after being bought by a celebrity owner in the United States. The breeder Annette Edwards from Worcester told the son that Simon was expected to grow to be the world's biggest rabbit. Darius, who is naming these rabbits? Darius and Simon, I love it. Grew to four foot four inches. That's a big... That's a big bunny rabbit. Four foot four inches. That's nearly as tall as me. I'm five foot five and a half. That is a foot smaller than me. Uh, the breeder told the paper something very strange has happened and I want to know what. I've sent rabbits all around the world. Nothing like this has happened before. The client who bought Simon is very famous. Mysterious. He's upset. The breed costs £5,000 a year to keep. A United spokeswoman said, we are saddened to hear the news. The safety and well-being of all the animals that travel with us is of the utmost importance to the United Airlines and our pet safe team. Oh, I bet they are. Poor rabbit. Do you think it died in the air? That's not a nice place to die. Comes less than three weeks after a video showing passenger David Deo being dragged off the United Express flight sparked outway, uh, widespread outrage. Dr Deo, 69-year-old man from Kentucky, was seen with a bloodied face after being forcibly taken off the plane by Chicago airport officers who have been summoned by United employees um, when, he, when the man, uh, Dr Deo, would not give up his seat. Speaking after the incident on the 9th of April, United Chief Executive Oscar Munoz said... The truly horrific event that occurred on this flight has elicited many responses from all of us. Outrage, anger and disappointment. I share all of these sentiments and one above all, my deepest apologies for what happened. What do they think about this rabbit though? Poor little rabbit. Who do you feel more sorry for? The rabbit who died or Dr Ajayo who was forcibly removed and had a bloody animal? Don't know. United accounted for 14 animal deaths. Uh, in in a, a recent period that they studied, with a further nine reported injured among the 100,000 animals carried by the company. That's a lot. You wouldn't want that. You t Imagine if you move to a different country and you want to transport your animal and then you get there and, and three-foot Simon's dead. Oh, I feel for bunny rabbits. Although my poor mother finds bunny rabbits every other day in her bathroom. The cat brings them in. Imagine waking up in the morning, going uh, going for your morning wee or to brush your teeth and finding a tiny bunny rabbit, terrorised bunny rabbit, that my cat has caught, carried through the cat flap, upstairs and left in the bathroom. My mum has to catch them and put them back outside. Doesn't kill them, though, which is strange. Just catches them and then leaves them in the bathroom for my it's a little present, isn't it? But poor Simon, the three foot bunny rabbit, I feel I feel for Simon. And I mean United Air Airlines are having some trouble, aren't they? Might need to sort some of that out. Finally, no time to monkey around. It's been days since the London Marathon started on Sunday, but one competitor is still going. He's called Mr. Gorilla and he's taking so long because he's crawling. <laughs> 
Dressed in a gorilla suit, he didn't want to ruin the authenticity by walking. So he put on knee pads and he's been doing it in sections day by day. So far, he's made £1,086.20, which is 62% of his target. He still has quite a long way to go, both financially and in terms of distance. And it's all in aid of the gorilla organisation, which protects the great apes in their natural habitat. Here's how the trek has gone so far. Uh, many people who saw him making his slow way around the course have been donating. People have tweeted saying, saw you at Charlton Fire Station. One person said, giving 20 quid. Hooray for body hurting eccentricity and determination. Another said, you crawled past me at a bus stop. Hope you can make it. Great cause. Explaining his preparation before the race, Mr Gorilla said, I've practised crawling at least twice now. <laughs> Well, it was most unpleasant, I can tell you. 26.2 miles of crawling is going to be absolute purgatory, but in for a penny and all that. Talking of pennies, where are yours? Uh, cough up a few for the Gorilla Organisation. If you want to find out more about that, we're going we're gonna to tweet the link if you want to sponsor a man. Crawling the London Marathon. Baines plus one. It is Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines. My special guest has arrived in the studio. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Sophie Willen is a writer, performer, comedian, theatre maker, performance artist, activist, educator and producer. Phew. She was crowned Magnus New Comedian of the Year in... 2015. In 2016, she took her debut hour on record to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and enjoyed a sellout run. As I said earlier, there was a lot of buzz about it. Uh, Sophie is one of the most exciting rising stars in British comedy. I'm very excited to ha have her here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> here she is. I'm here. Yes. <laughs> She's arrived. Now, how are you? What have you been up to recently? Uh, I'm, well, I'm just in London. I'm just in doing my Soho run. Uh, so I've got four nights left, or oh, three nights left. So I've just been here for a few, uh, for about eight days now, which has been lovely. Because you're not from London originally. No, no, I'm from Bolton, <laughs> actually. Originally. don't know if people can tell I from probably your probably can't. I think I just blend in very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, because uh, you've been touring this Edinburgh show, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I booked a kind of small independent tour. It's about just 20 dates across the UK and then the Edinburgh, and then the Soho run. Uh, to kind of finish off. And then I've got two more dates uh, just after the Soho run, one in uh, Canterbury and one in Wales, so Swansea. So, yeah, lovely. Amazing. It's been so, really fun, actually. So tell us a little bit about your show on record uh, in a so, kind of nutshell. OK, um, so it's basically... I got my records back from social services when I was 23 because uh, I'd been in and out of the curse system. So throughout the show, I kind of look at these records and it's kind of... I explain who I am today through the professional opinions that have been written about me, really. So that's kind of a thread through it. Uh, there's a lot of kind of reclaiming of negative language around welfare recipients and mental health and, and different things. And, and actually, it's quite funny, which sounds surprising, really, given, <laughs> given the topics, you know. Well, it is a comedy show. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's comedy. Did it, when you got your reports back, did anything sort of really surprise you that someone had written? Did anything right? I, I, it was all surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I met the woman at Bolton train station. It was a very odd thing. She gave me my records. They called me up, Bolton uh, Council. They said, oh, we've got this information about you. Would you like it? Mm. And I'd been naturally self-absorbed. I was like, oh, yes, more about me. That'd be great. <laughs> 
Um, and then anyway, so I met her at Bolton train station. She just handed it to me in a plastic bag on platform four. So the whole thing was quite surprising, if I'm honest. Oh, well, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, but now, Sophie, to get to know you better, we're going to do a little quick fire round. Okay. We do this with everyone. So I'm going to offer you two options and you just have to pick one as quick as you can. Yeah. Have you ever been in a quick fire situation previously? Uh, no, but they're quite daunting, aren't they, I bet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do intense eyes at you as oh, well, gosh, so, right, to okay. really make it exciting. Right, ooh. So here we go, Sophie Willens, your quick fire round. The quick fire round. North or south? North. City or country? City. Half full or half empty? Full. Books or movies? Movies. TV or radio? TV. Flowers or chocolate? Chocolate. Edinburgh or London? Edinburgh. Wine or beer? Beer. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Marmite, do you love it or do you hate it? Love. Adventurous or cautious? Ca cautious. Brexit, good or bad? Bad. You passed the quick fire round. That was intense. That I felt was, the urgency, oh my, actually. That was the quickest we've ever had. Oh, really? You really Gosh, went for it. Well yeah. done. Uh, I'm quite good that I've got good lefty opinions, even under pressure. It's yeah, quite nice you to do. know, isn't it? Yeah. You look like for a moment there you might say good yeah, about Brexit, yeah. but you reclaimed it. Yeah. Um, now, you've got a bit more time with these questions. Okay. Uh, what's your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh, God, I don't, I don't really feel guilty about anything. I'm a very indulgent person. Lovely. Um, guilty pleasure. I quite like watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, my I'm not gosh. ashamed. I so love that. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, sashay away. I love it all. Um, yeah. you sit, what's your favourite series? Do you have a favourite Um I queen? particularly like Bianca Del Rey. Mm. Del, Del Rio. She was fabulous, wasn't she? Yeah, I really liked her. The first season I thought was good. I, I liked the outfits seemed the best. I think towards the end it went a bit mad, didn't it? You know, just too much going on. Yeah, well, do you watch... Because there's RuPaul All Stars. Oh, there's that. No, I've that? not watched that. No. I've not watched that yet. Someone, um, a guy who owned a cafe told me about it, weirdly. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. some great chats. He was... Oh. Uh, he was making me a wonderful gluten-free sandwich and he oh, told me about RuPaul All-Stars, <laughs> which is apparently your favourites from all the series come together in one amazing series. Gosh, that sounds fabulous, actually. We should, we should watch it. Yeah. Um, what, do you have any secret habits or talents? Um, I can beatbox. <gasps> yeah. Come on, then. Uh, it's only, like, one beat. OK. Um, but I'll do it. <laughs> I don't That's know how I learned really it. really good. Thanks. I'm quite, yeah. It's... When you said that you could just do one beat, I thought you were just going to go... Oh, yeah, no, that would be just more <laughs> of a sound, wouldn't it? <clears throat> I always thought I could beatbox, but not as good as you. you could... Mine is just... That's good. Boots and cats. Yeah. Boots and cats. You just learn well, little things, you've got the good they? bass, though. Yeah. Do that again. Boots and cats. cats. That's good. All right, isn't it? I don't well know how I learned it. Does this feature in the show? No, maybe next it's year. a secret. It's okay. a secret. <laughs> um, anything, what makes you angry? Uh, a lot of things make me angry, I think. Um, I think um, the kind of programmes like Benefit Street and a lot okay. of my show was written because I was kind of quite angry about the treatment of welfare recipients and a lot of the cuts to mental health and social services at that time. Um, and just the kind of negativity, really, that surrounds welfare recipients and mental health and social services. Those things were maybe making me quite angry. And I just wanted to sort of redress the balance, really. Loose Women makes me angry. Does it? As a programme, yes. Why? I just... I find I find everybody quite smug on the programme. Yeah. Uh, and I once watched it when they were interviewing Josie Cunningham, who's, 
you know, uh, apparently the most hated woman in Britain. She'd got the boob job on the NHS. Mm. You know, it's all these lovely, sort of very well-to-do women who'd had really good lives, you know, kind of interrogating this this woman who had quite a shit life, actually. Mm. Did I say that? No. no you, you know, no. Beat life, anyway. Yeah. And... Uh, she so that different... makes you angry? Yeah, it makes me really angry. She was okay. quite different. It was quite demonising of her. So that was well, kind I... of one of the inspirations for the show, really. I'm going to fan her down and we'll be back with more from uh, Sophie Willen after this. It's Hoxton Radio. Baines plus one. Sophie Willen's here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> She's connecting to the internet. We're doing all of the Twitters because you can tweet us throughout the show at Samantha Baines. And what's your Sophie? At Sophie Willen. Yeah. Uh, it's Baines plus one and tagging at Hoxton Radio as well. Now, Sophie, it's time for your interview proper. Oh, gosh. This is about your career and stuff. Um, so, uh, so how did it all start for you? How did this comedy malarkey happen? Um, well, I, I've been performing since I was little. I've not been doing stand-up that long, about two years. Uh, but my first performance, I went to Ibiza with my grandmother um, when, when we were younger. She went uh, clubbing and I joined the hotel drama club. Your um, grandma went clubbing? She went clubbing a lot, yeah. And, <laughs> she sounds uh, like a cool lady. She was fabulous, particularly in the 90s when she had a zebra cat, so she was quite something. Wow. So she went clubbing and I joined the hotel drama club and my first role was the crying clown. Um, I got asked to play crying, kind of come out to some Russian opera oh. and cry on stage dressed as a clown. And that was it. So it's been going on since then, really. So it was a comedy performance. <laughs> it your was, first yeah. one. Yeah. And, uh, and did you train or anything? Have you done any courses or have you just kind of learnt on the job? I, I, I've not trained... I've not gone to sort of a, a drama school, but I did do lots of different courses and workshops and uh, contact young actors' company in Manchester... And then I kind of set up theatre companies and I got my first funding when I was, I think, 21. So I've been kind of doing sort of Arts Council-funded projects since about 21 or 22. Because you do a lot of mentoring now as well, don't you? I do bits of that uh, with sort of local artists, particularly uh, Manchester. So kind of helping them put in for applications, having them kind of come up with a plan and get fundraising. Also working with some care leavers, doing sort of professional development with them as part of my Stories of Care project, mm. which is uh, uh, working with Care Leavers to write a book for children. So alongside that, we do a professional development programme. So, Busy lady. Yeah, it's good fun, actually. And so how did the stand-up sort of come out of the performing? You said to me off-air as well, you did a bit of poetry at one point. How did stand-up come to the fore? Did you see yeah. someone that inspired you? Or? Well, I always liked stand-up, and I always loved, you know, just comedy in general and performing, but... I think you just get involved with what's available to you. And in Manchester, I didn't really know anything about stand-up or anything. Mm. I just got involved with what was available. So I did all sorts. I did a lot of sort of queer cabaret events and spoken word. And I, I wrote poetry for a year. I don't know if that was a waste of time. But I spent a year... I did poetry one... is never a waste of time. I don't know. I dressed up as a bat <laughs> and did a poem about a bat prostitute in my underwear with bat ears on to 400 people in Manchester. That so... does not sound like a waste of time. No? Oh, no. good. Thank you. <laughs> I did lots of silly things. I dressed up as a fried egg and sat in a fridge once and 
I performed in the back of a mill to sort of a confused-looking group of bearded gay men, you know. Do you put your fried eggs in the fridge? I don't know. Normally. I don't, it, was, it, was a, it was a weird experimental piece. <laughs> Art yeah. house piece. Yeah. So it's always been performing for you, clearly. Yeah. Do you think you've found your way now with stand-up or are you still I experimenting? I really like stand-up, yeah. I do think, yeah, I like the, I like the form of stand-up. I like writing jokes, I like... And I also like doing it quite theatrically. Like, I like writing shows that follow a kind of structure and, 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 and you know, have a really clear narrative and, and, and things that come back, you know, everything that's said should come back at the end. So it, it, it's quite theatrical how I approach writing, I think. But then the individual jokes and sections are kind of stand-up-y. Mm. So I like fusing both, really, yeah. I suppose. And, and do you think, obviously you've mentioned that your show is about the, getting your records back when you were in and out of the care system mm -hmm. and you're mentoring care leavers. That's obviously something very important to you. Do you think your background has infused what you do now? Is it a big part of Massively. You? I've been doing lots of work with care leavers. Uh, again, since I, I moved to Manchester, I got involved. I did projects working for Bernardo's and the Library Theatre and just lots of different projects, really. Uh, and then, obviously, I was doing my own arts projects with Arts Council funding, sort of producing those. So it felt fitting, really, that the next thing I'd do would be a project that fuses sort of arts work and curly and my work with curlivers in one project. And because I'd worked with lots of different agencies, I, I, I used a lot of those people, um, those companies, to come on board as partners. So um, it's been really great, actually, really good collaborations mm. between sort of social service bodies and sort of, you know, more arts led venues really because you're doing on record as we said at the soho new edinburgh show yep yep uh, getting ready for that it's called branded it's going to be at the pleasance again uh so just it's kind of a continuation really so this first show i talk a lot about my experience uh of getting my records back and the labels that were kind of in my files that i feel have perhaps followed me through my life mm. and kind of reclaiming of those and it's a kind of continuation of that, really, the kind of labels that I've, I've found in my adult life as well and, you know, the kind of categories that you put in, get put in and, and uh, I suppose, single narratives and, you know, working-class comedian, northern female, all these kind of boxes that you mm. get put in, really. And that are useful for internet searches, but yeah, they're not useful. so useful in real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it kind of comes with two, two sides to it, doesn't it? And just yeah. say that I don't feel like I really fit into a kind of a neat little box that's easy to package and, and, and give you a kind of place in society, really. Yeah. So I'm well, just I'm kind of interested in that. Really. I'm definitely looking forward to the new Edinburgh. Because, as I said, there was a lot of buzz about the last one and loads of great things have happened off the back of it. You were on Alan Davies' As Yet Untitled. Yeah. How was that, meeting the old Jonathan Creek? Lovely. He's so friendly. <laughs> yeah, I always think of him as Jonathan Creek. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Do you used to watch that when you were younger? I used to watch it and I thought it was absolutely brilliant yeah. and really cleverly put, like, you know, really impossible mysteries to unfathom. I was obsessed. Yeah, yeah. And his duffel coat was great. Yeah, yeah, he's got an energy about him, hasn't he? So, yeah. So yeah. How, how is it now, I guess, for the people that you mentor, sort of coming from your background, which wasn't necessarily the easiest, I think, mm -hmm. is a fair thing to say, and, uh, and, and then having success in Edinburgh and now finding yourself on TV. You've done a lot with Rylan as well and, and up yeah. late with Rylan, Sophie's Choice to work that in. That was fun, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean... When I put my, I, I put in a bid in uh, 2015, 
uh, to the Arts Council and, and they were brilliant. They, they gave me sort of £50,000 to produce a, wow. a multi-platform project called Stories of Kerr. And it had two uh, prongs to it. One was to develop a book with Kerr leavers uh, written for children. Uh, it doesn't have to be about Kerr leavers, but the fictional children's story is very vibrant, very fun. And is it for children in care specifically or just for, for a children's story? But like, I think it will be. Book. Yeah, because most, if you look at most kids' fiction, it's, you know, a lot of the children are orphans or have been in care. Yeah, but I yeah. thought the power would be in the fact that the whole team behind it have, have been through it as well. So. That, so if there is a child in Kerr who's reading it, I mean, we get a distribution because it's Arts Council of loads of free books. So that'll go to all of the Bolton Social Services and Swiss Fostica, who are the partners. Great. So they'll give it out. And then after that, if we publish it, hopefully there'll be children who are not in Kerr or, and are in Kerr who will enjoy it for, for the same and for different reasons. And is it is it... You seem sort of on a campaign to kind of change people's opinions of children who've been through the care system. Is that I think fair to say? It's not so much uh, change their opinions. It's more just to uh, kind of... I think it's important to have, uh, you know, curly uh becoming creative leaders and, mm. you know, at the forefront of their experiences. Because I think what happens often when you incur, especially if you're an ambitious person, you'll have your experiences kind of taken over by an organisation and you become, look at this success, look at this person here is mm. doing well because of it. So you very, very rarely get to own your own experiences and talk about them. And there's often a lot of shame around what you've been through and feeling like you shouldn't talk about it or, you know, nobody wants to know about, you know, bad families or whatever. Mm. So I think what I wanted to do is get rid of those feelings of shame or get rid of and reclaim a little bit and, and allow people... And I think the more you talk about things as well, the more people can kind of relate and, and feel empowered, I suppose. Baines plus one. It is Baines plus one with me, Samantha Baines, and... Hello, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> we nearly did it. Sophie Willis here, a brilliant comedian. Uh, we were just talking off-air about you doing... Um, Late, what is it called? Late Night with Rylan? Up Late with Rylan. Up Late with Rylan, with uh, Rylan from X Factor yeah. and This Morning fame. Yeah. Um, now, you did some brilliant twerking on that I show. I had a good, good time doing that, actually. <laughs> it was really fun. Where yeah. did you learn to twerk? Uh, oh, I don't know, really. I've been twerking a long time. I've been twerking before Miley Cyrus and before all that. I just You started Yeah, I, th I think it was actually me, yeah. <laughs> In I'm, Bolton, because they're a big twerking community. Well, I lived in Bristol for a bit, and me and my grandma used to go to the carnival and do a lot of twerking and dancing around there quite a lot. So, yeah, probably then. So I taught Rylan the dance moves. He loved yeah. it. How did yeah. you get involved with that show? Did you meet Rylan somewhere? Uh, no, no, it was just uh, I met with Channel 5, and then they, they kind of put me forward for it, and I just really got on with Rylan. He's lovely, yeah. too, so... We seem yeah. to get on really well. There's uh, hilarious clips. We'll, we'll tweet a clip for people to see if you're twerking. Working. Yes. But there was a you did a segment, didn't you, called Sophie's Choice? Yes. What yeah. what sort of other things can people expect Ooh, if they want to look it up on I the do? internet? I, I had to go into the street. Uh, I was interviewing people about clothes, and there'd been a bit of a fashion of pajama wearing or clothes that look like pajamas. So I went out in the streets of Covent Garden in my pajamas and interviewed people in my slippers and stuff, <laughs> which was quite fun. Just quite fun because <laughs> the world's your playground, isn't it? When you when you've got a microphone, you mean essentially you're just being mad, aren't you? But You've got a microphone that gives you madness with an authority, doesn't yeah, it? A microphone and a TV crew. Yeah. People are like, just oh, help. she's important. Yeah. <laughs> Even if she is in pink pyjamas. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's a lot of fun. We'll definitely tweet the link to that. Now it is time for the Baines Plus One game. Right. 
Sophie will end. Uh, this is a game where I will give you a set of events and you get to pick your plus one that you'd bring to them. It could be anyone you like, a celebrity, a famous historical figure, someone who you know, someone who you'd love to meet. Um, so here we go. It's time for the Bane's Plus One game. Bane's Plus One game. Who would you bring as your plus one to your show at the Soho Theatre? Oh, gosh. Um... I think, who would I bring? Oh, I'm really crap at this sort of thing. Uh, who would I bring? What, good what? questions. Yeah, maybe, maybe. well, I've always liked Victoria Wood, if she was still around. Yes. It's a shame, I would have loved, yeah. She'd love it, it as yeah, well. Yeah, I think she would enjoy. Uh, yeah, she's fabulous, isn't she? So probably her. What was your favourite Victoria Wood moment? Um, I one? really like, well, obviously, the song Let's Do It. Yeah. But I love her aerobics class. Have you seen that aerobics yes. that she does? Yeah. It's really funny. In a wig. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Um, who would you bring uh, as your plus one to a keynote speech at the Houses of Parliament? Keynote speech at the Houses of If I was in the Houses of Parliament, I think I'd probably bring my Uncle John. Uh, <laughs> okay. He doesn't get out much and he loves uh, <laughs> Weatherspoons. It's very cheap, isn't it? And actually, yeah. in the Houses of Parliament, you've got a half-price bar, haven't you? Because it's partly subsidised by us. Excellent. So I'd definitely bring Uncle John. Excellent yeah. political knowledge about the half-price bar. Yeah. Do you think, would you get him to wear a suit and sort of look all serious? No, I'd leave him be. I mean, he's got a shaved head and he's quite anxious. He looks very much like a startled potato, so I'd just like <laughs> Him kind of crack on, really. I think just let him be himself. I yeah. think the politicians would love that. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, who would you bring to the your first recording of your own TV show? Um, who would I bring? I suppose you should bring a relative, shouldn't you? I mean, it's normally. But you could bring anyone. Uh, no, I, I would. I'd bring my grandma. That feels fair. Would she wear the cat suit? She's got. She's not. She's changed now. She doesn't really wear that anymore. She's kind of. I think everything went wrong when she she bought a, a sort of fleecy pajama suit from Primark, and then she just suddenly she just got into that more <laughs> sort of more slippers and you know fashions changed. Yeah, she's like Madonna; yeah. she's going through a different phase. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you bring as your plus one to a black tie event at Buckingham Palace? Oh, when gosh. you get your knighthood. Oh gosh, I will. For I all your care work, I wouldn't for your book. I'd, I think you'd all, yeah, I'd go rogue. Do you not like the monarchy? Yeah, you... it wouldn't be for me. But then it would be good to go for the free booze, wouldn't it? So it's, it's a tricky <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. And then you can put some extra letters after your name, which is really great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Get everyone to introduce you as Dame. Yeah. Well, I think I promised a friend that if we ever went to any kind of award ceremony, when we were get, we got drunk uh, off red wine in jam jars at a Sting concert. <laughs> um, and we said we'd do it again and we'd drink red wine in jam jars. So maybe I'd bring her along. So. Love it. Yeah. I met Sting once yeah, and gosh. I said, can I have a photo with you? And he said, yeah, just drape yourself over me. Oh, my God. And I went really wet and I went, woohoo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's into all that, isn't he? Kama Sutra and all oh, that. Yeah, we didn't do that. We just did a selfie. Yeah, but... <laughs> that's good. Can easily escalate, can't it? You never know. So, if you turn down uh, an OBE or something, what uh, what is the goal for you? I mean, I'm clearly saying an OBE this is very hypothetical, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe if I've been offered one, I might have a second. <laughs> You'll reconsider. You know, now Leave I can have the window a moral open. compass, can't I? Um, yeah, but what what is the goal for you? What would you love to kind of achieve, or what would you love to happen um, in your career? I think I'd really like to uh, write, uh, sort of for TV and film, and maybe perform. 
I'd like to do a sitcom at some point. Yeah, about your um, life or...? Well, I'd like to move anything. away from it because you get a bit fed up of talking about yourself, don't you? It'd be quite <laughs> yeah. nice to kind of go into new areas, really. Um, but always just keeping both things going, really, live stuff as well as... So just things, writing and performing, yeah. kind of yeah. just what you're doing now. Really? Are and you living the dream? Well, yeah, I'd like... If we're living the dream with a bit more money, would be nice, yeah. wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. 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 I think that's just a good goal to have. Yeah. Enough money so you don't have to, like, worry every yeah, time you go, buy oh, something. Can I afford that tin of baked beans? Is that, you know, it's just daft, isn't it? But I'm really bad with money as well, so that doesn't help. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, feast of famine, very flamboyant for 24 hours and then... Who would you bring you as know. your plus one to a, a tax meeting with your accountant? Oh, God, I think anybody but me. In fact, if you get a plus one, just send somebody else in, I think. <laughs> okay. Someone to dress up as me. Lovely. Poem of the Week on Baines Plus One. Sophie Willen, do you like my poetry music? It is lovely, yes. <laughs> Very nice. Is this the sort of poetry you write? I think so. It's easy breezy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? nice and fun. I mean, it's time for Poem of the Week. Uh, Sophie, we have established that you are a bit of a poet. You oh, dress up and do poetry. Yeah, I won't go that far. I gave it a whirl. It was more like poetry <laughs> karaoke, I think, or something. I don't know. What's your favourite line you've ever written of poetry? Can you think of one? Um... Is oh. it going to be in the poem I'll that's be in coming the poem, up? Yeah, okay. Oh, we'll leave some suspense. Oh, yes. I like what you've done there. Um, right. So my poem this week, uh, I, I've written about an obsession that oh, started this morning um, and is very frivolous. It's called Dress Mania. Here we Ooh. go. Dear the world and people who read, I am a woman in desperate need. I have a dress that I absolutely love, but the price tag is way above what you should spend on a bit of material, even though this dress is practically ethereal. It gives me pangs and fashion woe. Maybe I can buy it and wear it in my show. Then I could claim it back against tax, like my haircuts, tampons, otherwise I bleed on stage, and all those imacs. If only my social calendar was full to the brim, then I could just buy it on a whim. I could just get it as a treat to myself and put it in a box and keep it on a shelf and, and protect all those layers and stitching. Yeah, that. Or I'll just dance around in it in my kitchen. Do you know an event that I could come along to? And then I'll have an excuse and we'll forever love you. Or maybe I'll just do it. I'll just click and buy. Oh gosh, what a feeling. It's like I'm on a fashion high. I'll just check if there are any discount vouchers online. Oh no, I've seen another dress. Oh, this is the one. No, really, I'm serious this time. It's my poem Ooh. of the week oh, <laughs> about my frivolous <laughs> dress obsession I can to that. <laughs> that I wrote on the way here. Oh, um, so, uh, what, what's your poem about? Do you want to do a little intro? Uh, yeah, it's about uh, actually because we were talking about twerking before, and mm -hmm. it's just a little bit of a back history on how I got into wiggling and twerking. Wonderful. Does it um, have a title? The Wiggle. <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. Sophie Willen with The Wiggle. OK. I discovered The Wiggle when I was a younger lass. Dancing to Bob Marley, I began to shake my ass. Upon a bedroom rehearsal, I discovered pretty soon that The Wiggle was universal and goes with many a tune. I practised and perfected The Wiggle day and night. The Fugees were selected to help me roll my spine. Then I showed it to me gran and she screamed in disbelief. She said, teach me if you can. So The Wiggle I did teach. Me gran would let me wiggle at any social event. At parties in the 90s, I was happy how it went. But it wasn't quite the same, I'd say, when I'd do it at parties for the PTA. 
You see, my gran had a rep for being weird and wild, and I myself for being a strange child. My gran would go clubbing and practice the wiggle. Neighbours would be snubbing and I'd just giggle. I remember when a toy boy would play Mr Boombastic. We'd dance on the lawn with waists of elastic. And when we were feeling full of gloom, we'd shack it out to boom boom shake the room. I've wiggled my way through childhood blues. I've wiggled my way through care home. I wiggled my ass when I felt confused. I wiggled alone. Someone even need a drink. I wiggle my bottom when it's old and unpretty, and it starts to shrivel and sink. Yay! <laughs> that is the best poem about bottoms I've ever heard. It's very silly. <laughs> <laughs> Do any poetry, poems feature in your show? No. So the, I feel there's no like... advert for that. I've also missed a whole chunk of it out, but I felt that was enough. I love that you self-edited. It was uh, an accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, but I should say you did that off the top of your head, and I read mine off my blog that well, I write. I didn't them Till we got here, did I? Yeah, no. I just said, do you have a poem? And she yeah. was like, actually, I've got a great one about bottoms. Um, we're going to... I'm keeping Sophie Willard for a little bit longer. Uh, don't forget, we're doing a vote. Who's your favourite Sophie on Twitter in honour of our special guest, Sophie Willard? And I'm going to re read the results of that very soon. So head over if you want to vote. One. It is Baines Plus One with the brilliant Sophie Willen. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, great fun. It, uh, it's been wonderful to have you and hear all your stories. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so sad I didn't see you dressed as a bat doing a poem about bats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, feel like it would have been a highlight of my life. It's, it's quite a relief that not many people I know now saw it. Is seen it? it. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I think once you've seen someone in their underwear, you can't really go back from that image, <laughs> can you, really? <laughs> Um, yeah. But we, we need to work your Soho Theatre run because you yes. are in London. Yes. Down from Manchester at the Soho Theatre. When when can we come and see you? You can see me tonight. I'm there tonight, I'm there tomorrow night and then I'm there Saturday's my final night. So it'd be really fun. I've had a great time. It's been great, actually. So, so um, what, um, th that's... Is it Saturday the 29th of Saturday April? Saturday the 29th in is the final show. In case anyone's listening on the podcast. Yes. Final show at the Soho Theatre. But you are at Brighton Fringe as well, if people are going Brighton there. Brighton Fringe, 20th and 21st of May at the Marlborough Theatre. At what time? Uh, and, oh, I don't know, actually, I should do. But it, it's in the Brighton Fringe, if you yeah. check, 20th and 21st. The Marlborough Theatre. Brilliant. And the new show's called Branded. And you'll be up in Edinburgh, of course. Yes. <coughs> with the new show that people mm -hmm. can come and see. And tickets are on sale now. They are, I think. Aren't yeah. It's very exciting. Um, uh, so definitely check out Sophie Willen. Because you, you're, you're down in London. How long have you been down in London for? About 10 days. I love it here. It's fab. Everyone says it's unfriendly London, don't they? But I find <laughs> it lovely. Well, they love northerners down here, don't they? They really, even though there's loads of us here, they find us a very exotic fruit, don't they? So I love it. They do. Every time I see people, they go, oh, I love the North, I love Northerners. Yet they never really? come to visit, do they? That's, no. that's funny, isn't it? Do you ever talk to people on tubes and things? Well, people talk to me. I, do honestly, they? I have a wonderful time here. If I'm ever lost, I've had people walk me to, the, to my door and stuff and, like, you know... I've, I've, the amount of people that walk me to where I'm going because I've been lost or something. You know, That's I've heard so the whole nice. life. So there's a man recently, he'd nearly died. He had to go for surgery. When he came out of surgery, he changed his whole life. He went, he got into a new job and he became... 
We knew everything. We hugged at the end. Wow. That's London. I find it very friendly. I feel like you're experiencing a side of London that being a lifelong Londoner, I've never experienced. Really? <laughs> Maybe it's the times traffic, because I was out once in commuted and they looked so... Everyone looked so depressed. Yeah. That's not good, is it? I think it's better no. to... Travel at around 3 p.m. I find it's a happy hour. Premium happy hour on the tube and TFL. I think so. I I get old ladies tell me things on the bus. I think I have that sort of face. You do have that energy of kind of inviting for. (laughs) Do I? Inviting your problems. (laughs) (laughs) Agony on Sam. Um, But but we've got you for a little bit longer and then you'll be heading back up to Manchester, won't you? No, no, I'm doing the show tonight. Yeah, so, in London. Oh, and then, right. And then you'll go I back to you Manchester and you're doing a tour. Like, oh, no. <laughs> pop, pop back up to Manchester. I'll just pop up for a cup of tea and then come back, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what, where's your favourite place to gig, do you think? Do you think there's a different audience in London and in Manchester? I think that's hard to say for me because I'm from Manchester, so your home crowd is always different, isn't it? I mean, London probably is different if you're from London. I don't think in London you get the same sense of a home crowd if you're from here. Whereas if you're from another city, you'd really get that feeling, I think. Uh, I did the Lowry Theatre at the Keys in, in Manchester mm. recently. It's 500 seats, and that was amazing. I sold it all out. and 500 you know, people, that must have been awesome. It was really with great. With your on-record show. Yeah, with on-record. I've, I've had pretty much a sell-out uh, tour as well. I booked a tour this year. I just did it independently, and um, it pretty much sold out. So I've been really pleased, actually, with, the, with that. So And I like going to different places. I think it's nice, isn't it? And... You know, no, no place or no audience is the same, really. So. What's your favourite thing about comedy? Is it the travelling? Um, I don't know, really. I think performing in general. I'm not sure what I think of uh, the working in comedy thing, but uh, being a performer, I really enjoy travelling and seeing different audiences and meeting audiences and, and have performing you ha- my show. Have you found it... Um, how have you found it being a woman in comedy? Because actually recently um, there was another article about people getting bored that we keep being asked, are women funny? And I was interviewed about it on the radio yesterday. Have you found things have been different for you as a woman in comedy? Have you found, have you, has it been a struggle? I don't know if I've found it specifically more in comedy than I have in theatre. I think if I'm honest, I've found it kind of more difficult... Um, being a kind of Boltonian female, I think people have, you know, I feel like it's taken me a while to establish that I'm actually a fairly smart person and things. Mm. I think people make assumptions. I had a review that said she's a lot smarter than she first appears. You know, so I get, I've had that sort of thing. So I think, and it's not so much necessarily just a, a female thing for me, but I think maybe a, a, a sort of female class thing. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and uh, another quote I had, distracting amount of cleavage that can be off-putting at close range. So, <gasps> Who said that? A, a woman, actually, from three weeks. So, yeah, so I've had comments like that in the past, but I don't know if it's particularly worse in comedy. And I really like the kind of, you know, what I like about comedy is how everyone's quite direct and they're on a mission mm. and it's quite clear. But I think... I once had a woman yeah. who reviewed me who said my show wasn't feminist because I talk about a man in it. Yeah, well, that introverted misogynism is fascinating, yeah. isn't it? I had a promoter, a programmer once say to me that um, I'm putting women back 20 years in comedy by doing my twerk at the beginning of the show. Because I do a bit of a dance in the audience and they said it, it puts women back 20 years. And I think he thought he was being really feminist, but I think what he doesn't realise is it's actually introverted misogyny, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, the point is you can do whatever you like. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I would swear on. You can do it there. 
Yeah. Like, can't you? The F you like. Yeah. There we go. But not particularly more in comedy than anything else, really. I think you just kind of have to brush it off, don't you, that stuff, and not, I think, not give it too much uh, kudos or attention, really. I like that. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Sophie Willen. She'll be doing what the F she likes at the Soho yeah. Theatre <laughs> um, until the 29th of April. Definitely check it out. She'll be at the Brighton and the Edinburgh Fringes as well. Sophie Willen, everyone, thank you very thank much. Baines Plus One. Thanks for listening to Baines Plus One with me, Samantha Baines. The show is originally recorded on Hoxton Radio and the podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, award-winning marketing for the arts. Go to www.penguininthearoom.com for more info. Don't forget you can follow me on social medias at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash Samantha Baines on Facebook. Please subscribe and leave us a nice review.